In this week's edition of Neyland's Basement, we discuss an action-packed Week 12 filled with ranked matchups, more coach firings, and preview rivalry week. All right, welcome in to the rivalry week edition of Neyland's Basement. I'm your host, Tucker Harlan, alongside Dominic Throngard, and it's just absolutely crazy that we're already here. I feel like we say this every single week, but it's the truth. The season has flown by. Here we are, one Saturday left of college football in the regular season. It honestly feels like one of the fastest seasons I have ever experienced in college football. It's genuinely bizarre how fast every single week has gone by with so many great matchups, but we're still waiting for that upset. We were talking before the show, but there hasn't been that big upset that usually always happens in college football. So I I think that's why it doesn't feel like it should be over already. Yeah, it feels like we're definitely due for one of those, but yeah, we have not gotten one yet. Maybe this will be the week that we finally get one. Who knows? Uh, But we'll go ahead and jump into everything that happened this past week. And the SEC, it's what we call Cupcake Saturday. Of course, a lot of teams were playing up against the either Group of Five or FCS teams. Uh, You did have three conference matchups. We'll start with the one here at Tennessee. Number one, Georgia, big winner over number 18, Tennessee, 38 to 10. Jalen Wright ran for a 75-yard touchdown on the first play. And that was about the only good thing that happened to the Vols here. 298 yards and three touchdowns for Carson Beck. Uh, Marcus Rosemey, Jack St. Dylan Bell were responsible for two touchdowns apiece in this game. And there's really not a whole lot to discuss with this one. It's just that Tennessee is just simply not having the year that Georgia is. Georgia's playing their best football at the right time. And they're very much on pace to go for the three-peat. Yeah, there's nothing really to uh, be too upset about if you're a Tennessee fan because you lost to the number one team. And Georgia, unfortunately, has looked head and shoulders above everyone else here these last couple of weeks. If we got them earlier in the season, maybe something a little different happens. But this team has really begun to separate itself. And we, we just don't have that level of talent. However, great spotlight in that game. College football noise record broken. Yes. Uh, Neyland Stadium reached 137 decibels and is now the loudest any college football stadium has ever been in history. And that is definitely something to be proud of. Yeah, that's really all I got on this game is just Georgia overpowering Tennessee. There's not really much more you can say. Uh, looking at some of these other SEC games now, Kentucky losing at South Carolina 17-14. to uh, Gamecocks had a touchdown from Xavier Leggett in the fourth quarter. Uh, been a bit of a disappointing back half of the season for Kentucky. Uh, I think that may even be an understatement. They're sitting at, what, 6-5 and five right now going into a game against a Louisville team that has been playing well all season long. And if you're South Carolina, you're very fortunate to be sitting at 5-6 and six right now. It was a 2-6 and six start for the Gamecocks this year. But Shane Beamer's got the boys playing for ball eligibility this week against Clemson. Yeah, it's a tale of two seasons for both these teams, really. South Carolina was terrible at the start and now is playing for bowl eligibility, which is no small feat considering how bad they started the year. Nonetheless, I think people expected some more from that team. But Kentucky, it seems like the same story every year. They have a great season, and then they play the Vols, they lose, and everything goes downhill. And it seems to be another one of those seasons for them where they can't just get anything to go after losing to the Vols. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of Kentucky fans, you know, murmuring just a bit about Stoops' job security up there. 
it's weird because they're going to go to a bowl game. And, you know, this is probably their worst record that they will have had under Stoops probably since, what was that, 2015, the last time they didn't go to a bowl. Um, so I don't know what you do with that. He's the, the second longest tenured head coach in the league. Uh, obviously, Nick Saban holds that title of longest tenured. So obviously, he's done a lot good at Kentucky, but it kind of feels like he's starting to have run his course a little bit. I don't know if that's exactly what's going on, but it it's definitely what I'm seeing out of Kentucky fans right now. Yeah, I think Kentucky fans feel like they're ready to take the next step up from Stoops because Stoops stabilized the program into one that wins games with regularity, which is really no small feat considering how bad Kentucky's football program has been for quite some time. So I think the feeling up in Lexington is just that they've done as good as they can with Stoops, and I think they're getting ready to – they'd rather roll the dice than keep up with just – making a bowl game every season. All right. One more in the SEC. Number nine, Missouri held off Florida 33 to 31. Thanks to a late field goal from Harrison Nevis, the thicker kicker himself. Uh, Graham Mertz did injure his shoulder in this game and he had to leave the game, did not come back. Their backup quarterback though, Max Brown had Florida leading late in this game and Florida had Missouri in a fourth and 17. And if they just get off the field there, they win the game, but nope. Brady Cook found Luther Burden for the first down. Cook threw for 331 yards and a touchdown. Burden, nine catches, 158 yards for him. Cody Schrader, the running back, 148 yards and a touchdown. So now Missouri is in prime position to get to 10 wins this year. And the Gators are in a fight for bowl eligibility this week. It's certainly an interesting one to look at. I mean... That was ridiculous how the defense just really gave out, not once, but multiple times after losing that fourth and 17th. They could have they could have made it hard on Mizzou and given them a tougher field goal, but they continued to just implode there at the end. And it was a tough watch, honestly, even as a fan that dislikes both teams. I mean, Florida really collapsed in that one, and it is – a tough, tough time to be a Gator right now. I mean, fighting for bowl eligibility against Florida State, that's not a good look. No, it's definitely not. But I actually think they'll have uh, decent odds in that game. We'll get to that here down the road when we get into the ACC games from the week. Uh, one more from the SEC, though. I mentioned that a lot of these SEC teams were playing group of five or FCS teams. And, you know, you usually look at those and imagine that, whatever SEC team is playing in those will be just fine. That was not the case for the Auburn Tigers. They lose at home 31-10 to to New Mexico State. Uh, the Aggies never trailed in this game, ran for 213 yards. By the way, that's the same number of total yards that the Tigers had in this game, so not a good look there at all for Auburn. And they're probably looking at getting into a bowl at 6-6, six and six. and New Mexico State's had a solid year. But that's just not a team you should lose to, ever. Yeah, that's an absolute embarrassment. I mean, New Mexico State is a former whack team back in back in the day when Boise State was one. I remember playing them a good couple of times, and they were never getting the whack. So that's a program you don't really lose to. Quite funny to watch, honestly. And, I mean, that's certainly not the Aggie team that Auburn thought they would lose to. I mean, more inclined to lose to A&M than New Mexico State, but – a great upset for that team. Yep, absolutely. Good year for Jerry Kill and the guys in Las Cruces. 
Moving on to the Big Ten here, number three, Michigan, held on at Maryland 31-24. to That's their 1,000th program win. Uh, the Wolverines almost blew this thing late in the game. Uh, here's a funny stat for you. Maryland's Billy Edwards ran for a total of three yards and scored three touchdowns. Uh, not a very good day for the quarterbacks, but if anybody shined in this game, it was Blake Corum, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Wolverines are unbeaten still, but their Big Ten – championship playoff hopes are in question this week let's just say oh absolutely and looking at michigan too with their thousand wins i mean i think it's pretty obvious that they're gonna have to redo that milestone again when the ncaa makes them vacate some wins here and not to mention i saw this very funny video breaking down a lot of schools historic wins where uh Schools like Michigan and even Tennessee include some very dubious wins against uh, different schools and high schools, actually, from way back in the day. They count wins against high schools, schools for the deaf, YMCAs. It's it's quite funny looking at college football history there. But yeah, Maryland, they seem to give every good Big Ten team a run for their money and then just come up short every time. And it's always this time of year, too. I mean, Ohio State had it happen to them last year, I feel like. And they've had it, had it a couple times with Maryland uh, just in that second to last week of the season. That's why I was mentioning that it is trap game Saturday, that second to last week of the season. But Maryland's still 6-5. and five. They'll be in a bowl game. Uh, they got to play Rutgers this week, if I'm not mistaken. Battle of 6-5 and five teams there. Uh, looking through the rest of the Big Ten, speaking of Rutgers, they lost 27 to 6 to Penn State. Allar lost to injury. Uh, Nittany Lions ran for 234 in this game. One of those wins for Penn State where it's not exactly pretty, but they just kind of get it done uh, down the stretch. So good win for the Nittany Lions. Some other highlights from this week in the Big Ten number 16, Iowa, a winner over Illinois, 15 to 13. Uh, that's a very Iowa way to win a game right there. Uh, but they've locked up the Big Ten West, so make fun of Iowa all you want, but they're going to a conference championship game. Uh, and then one other note here, Northwestern went over Purdue 23-15. to The Wildcats are bowl eligible in a year in which a lot of us didn't think they'd win a game. Yeah, that uh, it can't be understated how impressive it is that Northwestern even won a single game this year with everything that happened at that program only winning one game last season, it's it's unbelievable that they have won enough to be bowl eligible. And it seems like a lot of, of a lot of the lower teams in the Big Ten are finally starting to turn their luck around, but it seems to be at the expense of everyone else in the conference as there is there's not really any good teams in the Big Ten right now besides Penn State, Michigan and Ohio State. And Penn State, if they were in any other, other conference, they would not be in this discussion. So Northwestern taking advantage of a very weak Big Ten right now. That is absolutely the truth. The Big Ten is very weak, and I think Penn State, they might fare well in, say, the ACC or, like, the Big 12, but if they're in the SEC or Pac-12 right now, they are in some pretty serious trouble. James Franklin is probably on the hot seat up there if they're in any other conference right now. Uh, jumping to the ACC now, now that I've mentioned it, number 10, Louisville, surviving Miami 38-31. to Tyler Van Dyke threw for 327 yards and a touchdown. His top receiver, Xavier Restrepo, eight catches, 193 yards and that touchdown. Uh, Mark Fletcher, 126 and two touchdowns on the ground for the Hurricanes. Meanwhile, on the other side, Jack Plummer threw for 308 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. 
The big difference in this game was Kevin Coleman's 58-yard touchdown catch. Uh, with this one, a lot of people were thinking Miami would get the upset, myself included, just because Louisville's just kind of gotten by a lot of opponents this year, even though they're sitting at 10-1 and right now. Um, but nonetheless, good win for Louisville. They've locked up a, a spot in the ACC championship against Florida State here in two weeks. So good year for the Cardinals after uh, getting rid of um, Scott Satterfield last year and bringing in Jeff Braun this year. Yeah, it's a great win for them because this is a team that continues to seem to just be able to sneak past just about any opponent. Uh, their one loss was pretty ugly and bad. However, at every game they've played, they've seemed to manage to get away with a lot of close ones for Louisville. And yeah, I wonder how it'll go when they play a better team because I don't know if they have it in them to be able to beat good teams. But I could very well see them continuing to just play everyone close and be able to sneak away with those victories. Huge turnaround for this Louisville program and great season, no matter how the rest of it turns out. All right. Clemson, a winner over number 20, North Carolina, 31 to 20. The Tigers never trailed in the second half of this game. May was just 16 of 36 for 209 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Not a spectacular day for him. Uh, his running back had a pretty good day, though. 178 yards, two touchdowns for Omari and Hampton. On the other side, Keg Klubnick threw for 219 yards and a touchdown. His running back, Will Shipley, 126 and a touchdown. The Tigers, in total, ran for 243 yards in this game. This result does not surprise me at all. I just don't like North Carolina a whole lot as a you know ranked team. Uh, not surprised that Clemson managed to walk out of here with a victory. Nor am I, especially seeing Camo Dabo taking the field. Um, Clemson just, they got a lot more talent, and it makes sense that they won this one. Much more physical team. North Carolina, they don't have the same thing they had last year where they were able to outrun most of their opponents. The offense just does not look as good. Drake May's not having that great of a year. Um, the magic kind of seems gone up there for North Carolina, but... I mean, it's not a bad loss. I just, like you, I, I'm not sure North Carolina should have been ranked to begin with. Okay, no more games to talk about in the ACC, but we do have a couple of pretty important headlines here. Uh, of course, Florida State and their big win over North Alabama this week. They lost Jordan Travis with an injury, and it's a pretty gruesome one, just fair warning, and he will be out for the rest of the season. So I hinted earlier that I, I liked Florida's chances a little bit more now to get to a bowl game just because of what happened last weekend. This is exactly what I was hinting at. Um, the, the backup quarterback for Florida State, Tate Rodemaker, he did a good job in relief of Jordan Travis. But you got to remember, they're playing North Alabama. They're not playing a Power 5 opponent. So uh, And this week in the – college football playoff rankings, and we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, by the way, so those have already been released. Uh, Florida State fell out of the top four. They're now in the five. Committee said that they did not factor Jordan Travis's injury into that, but I, I got to say, if we if if there gets to be a point where Florida State is in that thing and, uh, you know, they're, they're blown out by, say, Georgia, one of the Big Ten teams, then I would look at it as a little bit of a mistake just letting them in there. I think so too. And they established last year that the precedent is that 
big injuries can affect teams. I mean, we saw with Tennessee, they said that Hendon Hooker's injury did affect their ranking in the college football playoff. So they're well within precedent at this point to take Florida State out of there. And I mean, I think they would get demolished by any team. Even with Travis, I, I don't think they're one of the best four in the country. I think that spot definitely belongs to Washington over them. Washington's played a much tougher schedule. They've played some real opponents. Can't say the same for Florida State, and they've barely escaped some very, very bad opponents. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. But Florida State, I don't I don't want to see them in the playoff. Okay, and before we are through with the ACC, we did have a firing this week. Dino Babers out at Syracuse. Uh, from what I can remember, he had one 10-win season back like five or six years ago, and they made it to a bowl for the first time in a while last year. They won like their first six, but then just flamed out after that. Um, less than stellar tenure at Syracuse. He was there for a, a good while, too. And unfortunately for Syracuse, it, it just feels like that's one of those programs that's just going to continue to have these cycles with coaches, just given everything we know about the scope of the ACC and just what they're up against that football program is up against going up against teams like say Florida state Clemson, Miami year in and year out. Yeah. It's certainly not the best look for Syracuse just down the road. It's going to take a lot for that program to get out of the mud, so to speak, just they have a solid history, but it has not been bright as of late for the past probably 20 years or so. And I, I don't think it has any signs of getting any better. And I mean, basketball affects it too. And they just lost Bayheim. So if their basketball program slides too, then that athletic department's not going to have a lot of money to play around with. And the football team certainly will suffer. All right. Moving on to the Big 12 now. Just two games to discuss here. Number 14, Oklahoma held on at BYU 3124. Uh, Dylan Gabriel let this game with an injury. Uh, on the other side, Aiden Robbins, 182 rush yards for the Cougars. Uh, Billy Bowman, though, picked off Getzloff for a 100-yard pick six. And Gavin Sotchuk, the Oklahoma running back, ran for 107 yards and a game-winning touchdown. This is just a tale of survival here for Oklahoma. But the race for the Big 12 championship is a pretty fascinating one if you're not named Texas because that's essentially what we're looking at here. It is a very fascinating race in the Big 12 right now. Um, teams you didn't really think that would be there are, in fact, there. I am shocked to say that Oklahoma State is very much in the running for the Big 12 championship right now. Oklahoma, same record as them in conference. Kansas State yeah. as well. So very but interesting. But head-to-head matchups are favoring Oklahoma State. So yep. right now they're in above everybody else, and they need to get a win over BYU this week. And that game is in Stillwater. So yeah. looking good for the, the Cowboys right now. But if they go down, we'll see what happens. It certainly seems like a possibility that they'll get in there. But, yeah, Oklahoma had a great start to the year. And then it's been it's been survival ever since they uh, played Texas, it feels like. All right. So I just mentioned Kansas State. Number 21, Kansas State outlasted number 25, Kansas 31 to 27. Uh, Jayhawks running back Devin Neal ran for 138 yards, three touchdowns in this one, but neither quarterback had an awesome day. Will Howard did run in what would be the game-winning touchdown. Good game for Kansas State running back DJ Gins as well, 102 yards 
and a touchdown. And good for Kansas for staying in this game, but it's just going to be tough for them to win without that starting quarterback or either of their two uh, better quarterbacks in Bean and Daniels. And by the way, Daniels has been shut down for the year. So uh, Jason Bean is the one that they have left that's not out for the year, but he's still banged up pretty bad. Tough sledding in Lawrence for sure with the quarterback situation. A bit of a consequence of the heavy quarterback runoffs that they run. But yeah, Kansas State gets the job done here. Great last drive there by Kansas State to win this one. Um, and then, yeah, Kansas just ends up selling it out there at the end of hair. Great game, though. And both these programs have been trending in the right direction as of late. So fun Big 12 rivalry that we will still be able to watch as the new Big 12 takes formation. All right, over to the Pac-12. Speaking of the new Big 12, these are two teams that will be in it. Number 17, Arizona just jumped all over number 22, Utah, 42-18. to Wildcats led this game 28-0 to early in the second quarter. Uh, Utes quarterback Bryson Barnes, 320 yards, two touchdowns, but he did throw two picks. His top receiver, Devon Vele, had nine catches for 111 yards and a touchdown. Noah Fafita, 253 yards, two touchdowns. His receiver, Tedaroa McMillan, eight catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. The Wildcats have just been on a tear this year when it comes to ranked opponents. They've beaten, what, probably four or five of them now. And, you know, it's it's all had to do with this quarterback change from Jaden Delara over to Noah Fafita. And things are going very well right now in Arizona. A lot of people are starting to look at Jed Fish as a potential candidate for other jobs across the country. It's certainly been a huge turnaround. This is a team that lost all their games not too long ago. And Fafita has been a massive part of that, no doubt about it. Really just a huge spark plug for this offense, changing how they play entirely. But, yeah, Utah, it's been tough for him ever since Cam Rising got confirmed as being out for the rest of the season. Barnes hasn't been the worst replacement. He's just got a pretty bad turnover problem that continues to cause a lot of issues for this Utah team. And, yeah, Arizona continues to be one of the best teams in the Pac-12 right now behind the obvious top two or three there. Okay, so we'll talk about a couple now that are not in that top two or three. Uh, you had UCLA playing USC this week, and UCLA went on the road, won at 38 to 20, never trailed in this game. Uh, Brendan, or excuse me, uh, Ethan Garbers threw three touchdown passes. Uh, TJ Harden, 142 yards and a touchdown on the ground for the Bruins. Uh, you look at the other side, Caleb Williams threw for 384 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, Brendan Rice had eight catches for 147 yards and a touchdown, but Here's the big issue. The Trojans ran for a grand total of three rush yards in this game. You, you can't do that and win football games. You just can't. And then after the game, Caleb Williams just said he didn't feel like talking to the media, which um, here's the thing. If you're going to be a, a big-time quarterback at the next level, you're, you're going to have to face the media when you are in these type of situations. And uh, he's just – proving to me as a guy that franchises should not want as their quarterback here in the near future. Yeah, I I feel inclined to agree with you. He doesn't seem cut out for high-pressure situations. Just one of those guys where he's been winning a lot, and he's been great in those wins, but they've been really lucky to get a lot of them. And now that things are starting to flip the other way, he has not responded all that well. He's played well 
So a team will definitely take a shot on him. But if if he ends up on one of those worst teams and has to deal with a lot of losses, uh, it might just ruin him. So definitely something to watch out for at the next level. But Lincoln Riley, I I don't know what to make of him at this point because you have a generational talent at QB and you you fire Grinch and then your defense continues to be terrible. So, I mean, maybe get a good coordinator in next year and they're able to do something, but the offense has tapered off here at the end as well. So I really don't know if Lincoln Riley has it in him anymore. And he seems to have just benefited from a lot of generational talent at quarterback. And if he doesn't have that next year, not a good look. Yeah, so right now they're sitting at 7-5 and five to end the regular season. That is the worst that Lincoln Riley has had, both at USC and Oklahoma. Obviously pretty good years all around. Uh, before now, you know, he's been winning 10 to 12 games a year, making it to the college football playoff occasionally at Oklahoma. But the issue is that, yes, he's had to outrun people, and suddenly he's not outrunning people, and USC is going to have – a seven win season, maybe at best if they don't win in a bowl game. So yeah, it's, it, I believe it was Dan Mullen who took the shot at Lincoln Riley earlier this week. He said, you know, that maybe Chip Kelly is not the one in LA that should be on the hot seat. And, you know, maybe he's right. If Lincoln Riley can't find a guy to fix the defense and if he can't keep bringing in those either good transfers or just generational talents uh, of freshman quarterbacks, then, yeah, you're going to have issues. Absolutely. Chip Kelly definitely, definitely playing for his job last weekend. And he might have he might have worked his way back, but I don't know. They seemed pretty set on firing him, so we'll see how it goes with the rest of the season. But big transition coming for both those programs as they move to the Big Ten for whatever reason. All right, so one more for us. Number five, Washington, a survivor at number 11, Oregon State, 22-20. to 20. Uh, Huskies led this game 22-10 at half. DJU threw for 164 yards, two picks. Not a great game for him. Damian Martinez, though, 123 yards and two touchdowns on the ground for the Beavers. Not the best game for Penix. Under 50% passing, 162 yards, two touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground. Uh, his receiver, Adunzi, had seven catches, 106 yards, and two touchdowns for the Huskies, and it's looking like unless something weird happens in the Apple Cup this weekend, they're going to be unbeaten going into the Pac-12 championship. Indeed, it looks that way, and this is a great win for Washington, I think because of the fact that Penix didn't have his best game. If If they're still able to win games against a team like Oregon State, who's honestly been quite good this season without Penix having his best game, I think that's a great sign for them as they head into hopefully the college football playoff but yeah great game in corvallis and washington just barely gets away with it there oregon state had a great chance there at the end to win it but unable to do so washington's defense held on looked great and yeah i really do think washington deserves that spot in the college football playoff as of now all right jumping into rivalry week now lots going on this week a lot of big in-state rivalries And we'll start with one that is tomorrow night between Mississippi State and Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. Uh, Number 12, Ole Miss leads the series 64-47-6 all-time. 
the Bulldogs, though, held on in a typical wild egg bowl finish last year, 24-22. The Rebels were winners the last time in Starkville. Fun fact about this game, though, the favorite is 3-6-1 in the last 10 meetings. So uh, always expect the unexpected here. But I I just have a hard time seeing a way in which Mississippi State beats this Ole Miss team this year. Now, whatever happens on the field tomorrow night will more than likely prove me wrong, if we're going to be honest. Uh, but I, I, I just looking at them, it's like, you don't have a good on-field product right now at Mississippi State. We discussed that last week when Arnett got fired, and that's another thing. Arnett's been fired, so, I mean, what other than a bowl game do you have to play for? Um, and, you know, Ole Miss is potentially looking at an 11-win season that they can go and, you know, maybe win a New Year's Six Bowl or the Citrus Bowl or whatever they end up being in. So, at the end of the day, I do not see a way in which Ole Miss loses this game, but I could very well be proven wrong. Absolutely. As you have said, always expect the unexpected in the Egg Bowl. And honestly, I'll take a gamble. I think Mississippi State's going to win this one. I, I Their on-field product has looked terrible. They just fired their head coach. There's every reason to believe they will not win tomorrow uh, as we're recording this Wednesday. Um, and usually when there's no reason for a team to win in the Egg Bowl, that's when they win. So I think somehow Mississippi State comes out, does something ridiculous. Uh, you've got every reason to believe that Ole Miss will win. On uh, In every capacity, Ole Miss should absolutely win this game, but expect the unexpected. It's the Egg Bowl. All right, moving on to Friday now. Three big matchups for us here. Number 16, Oregon State at number six, Oregon. The Civil War, as it was once called, the Ducks lead at 67-49-10. Uh, the Beavers did win last year 38-34 in Corvallis. But here's something that will give Ducks fans a lot of confidence, and it's this. They have not lost in Eugene to the Beavers since 2007. That's a pretty long drought right there. So I don't see a way Oregon loses this game, at least at home. Uh, if it were in Reeser, then, yeah, I would definitely pick Oregon State to win it, but I can't pick against the Ducks this year. I think I'm inclined to agree as much as I think Oregon State has a a bit of a shot at this one just with how they're able to stifle great offenses as they proved last week with Washington, but it's not at home, which makes it a lot harder and streaks are vastly important in rivalry games. And even if Oregon state was the much better team right now with that streak on the line, I'd even be a little bit more inclined to pick Oregon. So I think I got to just stay with Oregon here. Number 17, Iowa at Nebraska. The Huskers lead the series 30-20-3, and they snapped the seven-game skid with a 24-17 win in Iowa City last year. They need a win to get to a bowl game. I like an ugly game here. That's just no surprise to anybody that's watched Iowa at any point this season and paid attention to them. Um, I've got to pick Nebraska to win this game. Just why not? Why not Nebraska win it? I honestly am with you there, especially because it's at home for them. Uh, this team often does not have a lot to play for. Getting into a bowl uh, with first-year Matt Rule would be massive for this program, and they've been so down and out and terrible that, I don't know, I just I like them here at home because they got a great fan base that is stuck by them through thick and thin, much similar to the Vols, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be ugly. There's going to be a lot of defense in that game and a whole lot of punting. Yep, 
par for the course in the Big Ten West. Uh, one more on Friday, number nine, Missouri at Arkansas. The Tigers lead that series 10-4. to four. Uh, They won it 29-27 up in Como last year. They have only lost twice to the Hogs since joining the SEC last in 2021. We all know Arkansas is not going to a bowl at this point. They're sitting at four and seven. Um, meanwhile, you've got the Tigers on the heels of a 10-win season. I just don't see a reason Missouri loses this game. There isn't much of a reason for him to lose, especially considering Arkansas has done the most ridiculous thing and said they're sticking with Pittman, which if you're if you're an Arkansas fan, you have to be extremely upset at that. There's no reason to stick with a head coach that has been nothing but mediocre in this past season. So not a lot to play for for Arkansas. However, it's at home, and that's always big in rivalry. And when you're playing a rival and you got a chance to spoil their season, you tend to play a little bit harder. I think Arkansas has a lot of talent still. They got KJ Jefferson and I think they do it. I think they somehow figure out a way to do it. Hmm. That's an interesting prediction. I, I just looking at Missouri over the uh, years and big 10 or what on big 10 <laughs> uh, sec. Yes. They're in big 10 country. Uh, but in SEC play, they have not uh, struggled at all for some reason against Arkansas. That's been the one team they've managed to be consistent against. That's why I'm picking them. But who knows? Maybe Arkansas does the unexpected. Uh, moving on to the Saturday games now. We'll start in the Pac-12. Number 15, Arizona at Arizona State. Uh, Wildcats lead the duel in the desert 50-45. They snapped a five-game losing streak with a 38-35 win. Last year, Arizona State is – Pretty sucky this year, and as we detailed in the first week of the season, which feels like forever, or not forever ago now, it feels like yesterday, um, they are serving a postseason ban right now. So they, I mean, they already don't have enough wins to make it into a bowl game. But just looking at Arizona, I don't think there's a way they lose that game either. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I think the Territorial Cup stays in Tucson. I I just don't see a way where Arizona State wins much of anything for the time being. All right, the Apple Cup. Washington State at number four, Washington. Huskies lead at 75-33-6. Uh, the Cougars did win the last time in Seattle, but they've only won twice in the last 15 years, which is not very good. Uh, Huskies won 51-33 last year. It has been a downward spiral for the Cougars within the last, what, seven or eight weeks of the season. So I got to take the Huskies to win it. As do I, especially with it being up there in Washington's infamous Husky Stadium that used to hold the record for the loudest of college football stadiums ever gotten. But now Neyland has that record. But yeah, I mean, Wazoo has been in meltdown mode for quite some time this season. So I don't see a way they pull it off. All right, just one in the Big 12, Iowa State at number 19, Kansas State. This is affectionately referred to as Farmageddon. Uh, the Cyclones lead the series 52-50-4. Uh, the Wildcats, however, did win it 10-9 last year in Ames. They did win 10 straight between 2008 and 2017. So right now, very much in favor of Kansas State. And with this game being at home uh, for the Wildcats, I like them to win it. I know Iowa State's having a solid season, but I, I just like – what I see out of Kansas State a little bit more. As do I. I think Kansas State's offense has a lot more life to it than Iowa State's, and I don't think Iowa State's going to be able to limit the offense enough to make it a very competitive game. 
All right, two for you in the ACC, North Carolina at number 22, NC State. The Heels lead this series 68-38-6, but it's been the Wolfpack series of late. They've won two of – or two-thirds, rather, of the games since 2007, including the last two in thrilling fashion. I kind of like them to win the next one in thrilling fashion, too. I don't know why. I just do. I mean, it, NC State on paper is not as exciting of a football team as North Carolina is this year. But we just know how North Carolina has flamed out recently over the years and in some of these later parts of the season, uh, both in 2021 and 22. So, yeah, I like the Wolfpack to get it done. I think you're probably right. North Carolina has not been able to hold it together at the end of the season uh, for the past couple of years. And Drake May especially has just – he doesn't do that great towards the end of the year. And he hasn't shown me anything for me to believe that he'll be able to lead North Carolina over NC State because he's probably the only thing that can make the difference for North Carolina, and I don't see him making that difference. So I got to go with the Wolfpack. All right, Virginia Tech at Virginia. The Hokies lead the Commonwealth Clash 60-38-5. Wahoos have only won twice this century. Uh, They took a year off from playing this game last year because of the terrible shooting that happened. Uh, on the campus at Virginia. I believe that was two or three weeks before the end of the season last year. Uh, So this will be the first time they have played in over a year. And the Hokies are playing for a bowl this year. I would imagine this is going to end up being a decent game, but I like Virginia Tech to get a win. I think I'm with you. Virginia has just been absolutely terrible. They picked up a couple of unexpected wins, but I think that, with the way this series usually goes and Virginia Tech just being a much better football school, it's hard for me to see a way in which Virginia is able to pull anything off here. Um, uh, Virginia Tech just has to get it done. All right. We've got Northwestern at Illinois to start the Big Ten. Il- the Illini lead the Land of Lincoln trophy game. A lot of L's there. Uh, 57, 54, and 5, including the last two. They do need to get a win for a bowl game this year. Um, having a little bit of a hard time with this one. I kind of like Northwestern to win and not get it, or the Illini not to get into a bowl this year, rather. It'd be a fun one for sure for Northwestern to end up shocking them. However, Illinois, they've they've been the better program historically, and they've been the better program the past couple of years. It's at home. They need this win for bowl eligibility. Northwestern, I feel like, is a team that's already peaked this season. They've already gotten to a point where they're happy with where they're at. I don't know if they're going to want it enough here. I think Illinois is able to slide by. All right, moving on to Wisconsin at Minnesota. The border battle is split at 62-62 and 8 all-time. The Golden Gophers have won three of the last five following a 14-year drought. They need to get this one done for bowl eligibility. I kind of like them to do it. Uh, Minnesota's or Wisconsin, rather, has been a big disappointment this season. I don't think there were super high expectations for Minnesota, but why not the Golden Gophers? Yeah, Wisconsin's been a huge letdown this season, and I honestly don't have any reason to pick them. Um, Minnesota, despite their struggles, I just feel like has a better shot of holding on to Paul Bunyan's act at home. I, I can't confidently pick Wisconsin in anything right now. They just don't look good. 
All right, here's the most important matchup of the week. Number two, Ohio State at number three, Michigan. The Wolverines lead the game 60-51-6 all time. They have won the last two after losing eight consecutive to the Buckeyes. And the Big Ten Championship and possibly a college football playoff berth are on the line here between these two. I'm going to go to you first, Tom. I, I don't know off the top of my head who I want to pick here. It is certainly an interesting one. And the most chaotic outcome is Michigan winning, considering everything that's gone on with the scandals, because they will firmly plant themselves in position to be the team that gets to go to the college football playoff. But I don't know if they're deserving of that. And considering everything with NCAA, there might be a world in which they don't end up going because of the fact that the scandal is too much. So a lot of, lot of interesting things at play in this one. Two head coaches that have a lot to prove, all things considered. Ryan Day really needs a win in this one. Um, I mean, the Ohio State fan base has been very critical of the guy. And to a degree, it's rightfully so because the conference is extremely easy aside from Michigan. So this is the game he needs to win. And I don't I don't know if I see Ohio State winning this one. I think that Michigan is just going to be able to choke them at home. And, yeah, I think Michigan is able to steal their way to a victory. Sign steal their way to a victory? Absolutely. I'm going to go with Ohio State to win this one. Not really sure – why is just a gut feeling. I feel like they've been playing better lately, and you know Michigan had a scare last week. So yeah, I like Ohio State to get the win, um, and they will, of course, if either of these teams win, they will go to the Big Ten championship. So, yep, that's what we're looking at there. All right, we'll look now at some of these SEC versus ACC rivalries. We'll start with Kentucky at number ten, Louisville Wildcats lead the Governor's Cup nineteen fifteen. They have not lost since two thousand seventeen. This is a tough one. Um, I, I like Louisville to win the game, but I would imagine it stays pretty close uh, just because of how Kentucky's managed to do against them lately. I think it's going to be a close one too, but Louisville's been able to win close ones. So uh, like you, I got to go with Louisville in this one just because they've been able to sneak a lot of victories out of there. All right, number five, Florida State at Florida. The Gators lead the Sunshine Bowl 37-27-2. Knowles won in Tallahassee 45-38 last year. They stormed the field and all that. Uh, they are going to need a win for bowl eligibility, Florida being they. Um, this this one has been – the expectations for this matchup have taken a turn compared to what we thought it was going to be going in. We thought Florida State would win this one without trouble, but now you factor that we're going to see two backup quarterbacks – and you're looking at a completely different game. And I really liked what I saw out of Max Brown and that game up in Missouri. So I'm going to pick Florida to pull off the upset. I'm not really sure how much of an upset you can call it, just knowing the fact that we're going to see two different quarterbacks in this game that are not Graham Mertz and Jordan Travis. I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm with you. I really do think that Florida wins this one down the swamp. I think there's some swamp magic at play. 
And Florida State, they have not really played that good of competition. And Florida is not the best team, but they've had a very solid year in their victories. And they've looked like a solid team when they've won. Um, in the SEC, they're not the best, no doubt about it. But in another conference, I think they'd give some teams some trouble. So I think I think Florida's able to pull it off, especially considering the backup quarterback situation. I don't think that Florida State looked that great even even with Travis, I mean, they were losing to Northern Alabama, and then backup came in, didn't look that special. They just were able to breeze by him because they ran out of gas. So I really do think Florida wins this one. Number one, Georgia at Georgia Tech. Bulldogs lead clean old passion hate 70, 41, and 5 all time. Have not lost since 2016. Give me the Bulldogs. Yeah, I, I don't see a way where Georgia Tech wins. As, as fun as it would be, I just don't see it. All right, number 24, Clemson at South Carolina. The Tigers lead the Palmetto Bowl 72-43-4 all-time. Gamecocks broke a seven-game skid with a 31-30 win in Death Valley last year. Uh, the Gamecocks do need a win for bowl eligibility here. I kind of think they get it. I, I'm going to take South Carolina to win this game with it being at home. And, uh, of course, this being a rivalry, you just never know what's going to happen. Clemson's not had that good of a season this year just compared to what they've had in the past. So, I'm going to pick the Gamecocks to win it just because. I certainly wouldn't be shocked if the Gamecocks pull it off and Willie B. Nonetheless, I think I actually am going to side with Clemson here. I think they got a little bit more depth, and they're going to want to get him back for last year in a bad way. And I think they'll be able to do so here just with how rough South Carolina's had their season. I think Clemson's going to make this a physical one on them, and it's going to be tough for South Carolina to find a way to win. I uh, I'm taking Dabo on this one somehow, right. some way. Makes sense. Okay, Texas A&M at number 14 LSU. The Tigers lead the series 35-23-3 and all-time. Uh, they did lose last year 38-23 to out in College Station, but since the Aggies joined the SEC, they have not beaten Tigers in Baton Rouge. And this year, I most certainly do not think that is going to be the case either. LSU – um, you know, obviously the offense has been the best in the SEC all season long, and AM having just fired Jimbo Fisher, I just don't see a way they do it. I don't see it either. I think that LSU just has a ridiculous offense that will be able to outrun anything AM puts on the field. Even if AM puts up 30 points, I think they still lose, and AM's barely hit that mark at any point this year. I got to go with the Tigers. All right, number eight, Alabama at Auburn. The Tide lead the Iron Bowl 49-37 to one tie all time. They have not lost since 2019, but the game is usually a little bit more interesting when they play down there on the Plains. I would imagine we're going to have a pretty interesting game between these two. I like Alabama to win, but it won't be by any more than like 10 or 13 points maybe. It will certainly be a fun one, though, because anytime Auburn's coming off a loss into this game, particularly a bad or upsetting loss, it tends to be a lot better of a game. And its I feel like it's the years you least expect Auburn to do something against Alabama where they have some kind of ridiculous game. I think Alabama still has the edge, no doubt, but there's some magic on the planes, and I think it might be a play in this one. But still, I can't pick against Alabama right now. They've looked head and shoulders above most of the SEC. I mean, unfortunately, they've started to look on par with Georgia. It just took them a long time to get there. 
All right, one more for us. Vanderbilt at number 21, Tennessee. The Vols lead this series 79-33-5. They have not lost since 2018. Vanderbilt has not won a game since week one this year against Alabama A&M. They're sitting at 2-9 and nine currently. Uh, this is going to be one of those cases where Tennessee goes out there and like doesn't really care, but they still end up winning by like 20 or so. So give me the Vols to win this one uh, without too much trouble against Vanderbilt. Yeah, it should be a really easy one for Tennessee here. And it, it'll be interesting to see who takes the field at the quarterback position, considering all the calls for Nico. And uh, the redshirt question has now been resolved. So they can. Yeah, so with that, I, I think that's going to do it for us today on Neyland's Basement. For Dominic Throngard, I am Tucker Harlan. We will talk to you guys again next week for Championship Week.